All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got Dallas sportscaster Jared Sandler. Jared, is everything going for you? Hey, Zach, I'm uh, I'm great. I guess as great as you can be in this uh, in this time. Hope everyone out there is healthy and, and well. But uh, uh, all good over here, and uh, hopefully continuing to stay out of trouble and avoiding uh, avoiding Corona. Uh, yeah. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely appreciate it. No, yeah, because the Cowboys have been in the news in basically recent days because it seems like every quarterback that's available has been linked to you guys, even though you already have basically a franchise quarterback. What are your thoughts on all these Russell Wilson rumors and potentially a Dak swap? Is it all just hearsay or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't I don't think uh Russell Wilson is a cowboy uh anytime soon, at least. I you know, I don't know what Dak's future is in part because I, I don't know physically from the injury he suffered, if, if anyone is totally sure one way or the other, uh, how he's going to be able to recover. Uh, it was a pretty significant injury, and there are already reports out there that the recovery process isn't going as well as hoped, and then other people are saying, what, that's uh, baloney, it's great. I mean, who knows? Uh, I, what I do know is that it is so tough to get a quarterback, even of Dak's caliber, regardless of whether you think Dak is great or just good, finding quarterbacks of his caliber are tough. And I just can't imagine the Cowboys are going to uh, let him just walk away. Obviously they can franchise him this year and then he becomes a free agent without the ability to tag him. But um, I also don't think on that same token that the Seahawks are just going to let Russell Wilson, you know, force his way out. Uh, you know, I think what the Texans have dealt with, with Deshaun Watson is a result of their mishandling of that situation uh, for not just months, but maybe a few years. And that's why it's gotten to the point where, it, it, you know, it's point of no return. I don't think that's the case with Russell Wilson in Seattle. And I just don't think that the Seahawks are going to let him go uh, because no matter what, you're, you're not getting the value in return. And uh, I don't know that the, the Cowboys would, I mean, I, I, obviously they would love Russell Wilson, and, and I think it's tough to say Dak's better than Russell Wilson, but I don't think the Cowboys and Seahawks are going to agree on a package uh, that satisfies both sides because it won't just be a straight-up deal. So I think it's a fun conversation, and I think this offseason we've not had uh, as many high-profile quarterbacks rumored to be on the move as any year in my memory. Uh, but I think ultimately Deshaun Watson gets traded and that's just about it. I don't think any of these other big names end up uh, on the move. For, for all those years when Earl Thomas was always rumored to be trying to get to the Cowboys, was that just hearsay to you or did you think there was a legitimate chance of that happening? I, I think there was some legitimacy to it. You know, he obviously, listen, half of it is the player wants to, uh, the player has to want to go there. And I think he definitely did. And I think there was some interest from Jerry Jones because Jerry Jones loves the headline move. You know, Errol Thomas to the Cowboys, that would lead the, the sports news cycles uh, for a day, maybe more. And he's a big name and he's got the Super Bowl pedigree and, and all that stuff. I don't know to what degree the real talent evaluators within the walls of the star actually valued Earl Thomas. Uh, so... I, I don't know that it was, I don't know that they were like inches away from the finish line. Yeah. I, I think, you know, obviously as a talent evaluator, you always are going to be open to possibilities and, and opportunities. And Earl Thomas is certainly not a name you're just going to disregard, but I don't know that the, the two sides were 
you know, separated by, you know, a, a half a million dollars. Otherwise they were going to, uh, you know, have an agreement. I, I don't know that the interest ever got that mutual, but um, I, they definitely considered it. And I just think that the, the timing was such that Earl Thomas wasn't the same player as he was uh, previously when, uh, you know, he was leading or a big part of the Legion of Boom and, and helping the Seahawks uh, contend for a Super Bowl. Do you, do you think Dallas is the team to beat in the NFC East this year? Because that's what Danny White told me. No. No? I don't. Uh, what, what are your expectations I, for the teams this, for this year? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, with, with the, the parody of the NFL, I mean, you know, it's not inconceivable that they do win the NFC East. You know, it's yeah. not like the NFC East was a juggernaut last year. And, uh, you know, the, the Cowboys dealt with injuries and, and you have a healthy quarterback, then maybe things di- are different. I just think to me right now, uh, I don't know what Washington is going to do at the quarterback spot, but I would have a tough time uh, going against them just because of their defense and how dominant I think they're going to continue to be. I don't think the Giants are a team to totally disregard either. Uh, if I'm still, I want to give Dan Jones one more year. I, I don't think the Eagles are winning the division with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. The, the tough thing, though, Zach, is, is free agency hasn't even happened and the draft hasn't happened. And a lot can change with those two elements and then whatever trades might you know be a part of, of those two phases. Uh, so I, I don't think the Cowboys win the division. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I know my initial reaction might have suggested otherwise. Um, but where they are right now with their roster right now, I would not put them as the favorite. Uh, that can change quickly, and it can can really change if if you told me right now Dak is 100% healthy and it's going to be back to normal. I'm just not sure that that's the case, at least in year one following such a major injury. We typically see in sports – with major injuries like that, it takes a second year before the player gets back to normal. And I think a lot of it for Dak, you don't throw with your ankle, but you do move with your ankle. Your footwork's important. But I think the mental side of it is also a big part of it as well. And is Dak going to be skittish in the pocket? Is he going to uh, be able to take contact, you know, with the idea that, you know, I'm okay. Uh, or is there going to be that thought in the back of his head? I, I just don't know these things. What I do know is that Dallas's offensive line against Washington's front seven is not a matchup that favors Dallas in any way, shape, or form. Since with free agency coming up in a little bit less, uh, what, a couple weeks, um, there's going to be some cap casualties. Do you think there's any guys on Dallas that are maybe on, maybe high, on pretty large t- contracts that you would not be shocked to see if they moved on from? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from any of their linebackers. Uh, I think the one who, to me, makes the most sense because I just don't think he's any good is Jalen Smith. Um, I guess I could see them moving on from Leighton Vander Esch, uh, you know, as well. You know, the some people have talked about moving on from Tyron Smith. Uh, you know, the reality is his contract's actually pretty team friendly, uh, but. You know, I guess the question is, do they need to turn the page on on Tyron at left tackle just because of his physical issues health wise the last few years? Um, I don't think that, uh, you know, they're going to move on from Ezekiel Elliott because they can't really move on from Ezekiel Elliott. That contract is structured in such a way that if they want to move on from him, they basically have to commit to that more than a year out. Uh, and otherwise, uh, they are, 
they're not able to shed money. I mean, they could cut him, but they wouldn't be shedding a lot of money because of uh, the dead money that would be a part of that and, and the money that's been committed. Uh, so the one that, that really stands out to me uh, would be Jalen Smith. Uh, you know, think of the other guys they've paid Amari Cooper. I don't see that happening again. We talked about Tyron Smith. I, I just don't know that it would make that big of a dent. Uh, Jalen Smith's the one guy who I think would make sense because I don't think his level of play justifies anywhere close to the money that he would be getting. Um, which posi- which positions of need do you see them addressing first in free agency in the draft? Boy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they got for one, you've got, uh, your your secondary i just I, I don't know if you were to ask who's the best player in the cowboys secondary i mean maybe you say trayvon Diggs with the excitement of what he could grow into but I mean, that's a pretty bare group and they've been pretty piss poor at evaluating talent do they still uh, have jeff heath no no jeff heath's a raider and, and frankly some yeah. people are probably crying to get jeff heath back <laughs> you know every every team in the nfl needs to have those bargain basement acquisitions. And when they don't work out, you criticize them for being cheap. But the reality is it's a necessity. The Cowboys have just been very bad at, at evaluating those candidates. So, you know, whether it's the secondary or anywhere else. Uh, so I, I think they're going to have to address the secondary. Here's the thing, Zach. I, I think the only areas, you know, that, that shouldn't be a priority, quarterback, uh, receiver, Maybe a probably tight end running back, but I, I, I don't think they can ignore the offensive line just with the age of some of the guys that, that are a part of that group. Uh, I don't think you can totally disregard the defensive line either. Uh, they certainly need to do work on the interior side of the, the defensive line. Uh, but with some unknowns with Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore, Tristan Hill played well before he got hurt. Neville Gallimore played well at the end of the year. Maybe they feel like they've got enough with those two guys. But other than that, defensively, they just have so many holes. You know, linebacker Micah Parsons is definitely a candidate for them at at 10, you know, in the first round. Secondary options. uh, There's not really anyone who is irreplaceable in the secondary. So, um, I, I think defense in general is probably more of a point of emphasis if you were to make it defense versus offense, but there are some needs offensively on that offensive line if they want to get younger and maybe a little more versatile moving forward. And flipping a basketball, do you expect Perzingis to get moved? I don't know if he gets moved this year. Um, I don't think the conversations are just rumor and nothing else i, I do I've think there's the brother the, bro- the brother the agents the brother apparently is not the easiest guy yeah I, that's a, that's a weird situation uh i think most times when a family member is your representative yeah. it's it's a weird situation yeah. but you know i think the question zach is with porzingis and, and it's a part of the reason why they probably were able to get him without giving up anything i mean they they really gave up next to nothing to get Porzingis Smith, and Hardaway Smith Jr. Jr. and yeah, uh, Jordan, De- right? Yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. And, and DeAndre Jordan, who, you know, from a financial standpoint, yeah. uh, that wasn't much of a loss. And Dennis Smith Jr. bounced around him. He was in the G League for a little bit. So the question with Porzingis is the health. I mean, the reality is uh, guys his size who have lower half of the body issues and, and now a back issue, they don't just magically get better. Uh, and so... I think it's just tough to rely on Porzingis as a number two. And, and I don't know that the, the Mavericks have ever really looked at Porzingis and felt like, Hey, uh, we don't need 
anyone other than him to be our number two. I think the, the Mavs probably recognize they need someone a little better than Porzingis to give Lucas some support. The, the thing is you don't want that dead weight financially or physically if the guy is only going to be healthy for 40 to 50 games a year. So I think if they can find someone to give them, and this is where it, it's going to be tough. They, I don't think they move him unless they figure they get the value that they would get if, if a team approached his value for 82 games. I don't think they're taking any sort of discount because of the health. I think if a team steps up because they love Porzingis, they saw bubble Porzingis and were like, we need this guy. And they're willing to take on the physical health risks. Then I think that the Mavs would, would entertain a move. The problem is I don't think that they're going to match up value wise with a team as far as what a team's willing to trade. If they do shame on that team, good on the Mavs. I think ultimately their, their next steps though, are to just try and find the, the true Robin to Lucas Batman and then move Porzingis down to that third best option. I just thought of a brilliant idea for a TV show. It's Shark Tank, but it's it's other GMs pitching Mark Cuban trades for Christos Porzingis. That would, that would be really entertaining. Yeah. Uh, my guess is uh, Cuban would feel like he's getting lowballed more often than not. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. That would be fantastic. Um, and then flipping over to baseball, so I know you're at spring training now for the Rangers. Um, I, for people that really haven't been paying attention, what, what should people be looking forward to as baseball season gets closer? For the Rangers? For just the Rangers, MLB as a whole. I know um, the, the kid from the Padres got a monster contract. That's about yeah. it. I paid attention. I, I think, you know, for the Rangers, they're in a rebuild. And so, you know, the general baseball fan is not going to find much excitement uh, in that. There's a lot of unknown, you know, for for the, the diehard Rangers fans who follow the minor leagues and, and keep tabs on prospects, it could be a fun year to see a lot of those young guys get opportunities like Leody Tavares and Josh Young. I think from a, a Major League Baseball standpoint, I think that NL West is going to be really fun. Uh, the Dodgers are obviously the defending World Series champions, and they didn't get worse this offseason, adding Trevor Bauer. Uh, and they'll, they'll add David Price back into the mix. Price opted out last year. Yeah. Uh, but the Padres aren't getting any worse either. Uh, they are are really making a hard charge to not just, you know, it's not an all-in effort for this year. Uh, they are building a, a really strong team for the future, but uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk for the Dodgers. Uh, so I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm just going through, you know, obviously the Yankees are really good. Will the Blue Jays be able to challenge them? I mean, it's kind of a similar situation. You got a juggernaut. Uh, and the Yankees, a team that's got all the money in the world and, and an up and coming team in the Blue Jays with a lot of young, fun talent. Uh, and I think the Blue Jays maybe are a pitcher away from really being able to, to challenge the Yankees. So I, I think those are, are exciting elements of this year from an individual standpoint. Is this going to be Albert Pujols' last year? You know, for those who are are big Albert Pujols fans, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously one of the greatest hitters to, to play. Uh, and I just think that there are a lot of really good young players, uh, in major league baseball. Uh, obviously Mike Trout is not young anymore. He's special, but then you look at the, the Tatises and the Lindors and, uh, and, and guys like that, uh, baseball and, and Vladimir Guerrero jr. I mean, there, there are, there are a ton of them, you know, you can go, uh, across the league, you know, division to division, you can find, you know, identify four or five guys, each division. Uh, so that's fun. I, I just think for this is not the fun thing, but this is going to be the big headline all year is the, the labor disputes between the players and the owners and whether or not that will get settled. 
uh, or whether we'll have baseball next year, uh, because I think there's a, at least it's, it'd be irresponsible to not consider that possibility. So what are they set for 162 this year? They are set for 162 this year as of now. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I just had a, another just thought of something. I just, just, I just um, something to ask you about. Oh, what are your thoughts on the whole uh, Hall of Fame, no Hall of Fame this year situation? I, listen, I, I don't think that here, here's my issue. I, in general, uh, I don't think that it is bad if no one is deserving of the Hall of Fame. Uh, I personally disagree that there was no one deserving because I'm yeah. in the camp that guys like Barry Bonds and, yeah. and Roger Clemens, whether you like him or agree with what they did, they, they are Hall of Fame players. Um, I feel like there were others on the ballot who, who deserved as well, but I'm not a let's let everyone into the party guy. And so I appreciate, uh, you know, a a selective approach. My big issue is that the voting system to me is very antiquated. There are voters uh, who do not deserve votes. They do not cover the game anymore. They are frankly clueless. Uh, They have an agenda that is not befitting of what that ballot should represent uh, and I just think that there needs to be a more frequent assessment of uh, a more frequent assessment of uh, who's getting the, the, the power to vote. Um, and I think there it, it's restricted to writers. And I think there are some writers who know the game very well. Uh, but I think there are others around the league uh, who maybe know the game as well, if not better. I, I share a booth with a guy named Eric Nadell, who's a Hall of Fame broadcaster who's been around for 43 years. You can't tell me that that guy cannot evaluate a, a player's Hall of Fame candidacy as well as anyone in the world. And if there's a fear of bias, uh, I think there is already demonstrated bias for beat riders with guys they covered. And I don't have an issue with that because one vote is not enough to uh, tilt the scales. But if you feel like a guy is demonstrating unfair bias, then you can uh, 110% take their vote away and and you you more often regulate the vote that's my issue with the whole hall of fame process my one gripe with it is why do they do it during the season it's bizarre it's like you've got a game on and then oh if you flip to mlb network here's the hall of fame hall of fame enshrinement today i don't is that is that odd to you or yeah i mean it's a fair question i i don't know i i I don't know the the origin of all that um my guess a part of it is unlike other sports when major league baseball is on, especially in July, that is the only sport that is on now. Yes. There's NFL training camps that, that take away some attention and you know, the, the college football season is, is approaching, but you know, and, and NBA free agency already, the the big storm already took place three weeks prior. The, the, the sports spotlight shines the brightest on baseball at that time of the year. Uh, Whereas if it, if it took place during football season, maybe it would get lost. Uh, I, I, maybe that's, that's the only thing just without giving it much thought. That's the first thing I can think of is that the baseball has to compete for spotlight in its off season with NFL, NBA, NHL, depending on when college football, maybe college basketball, if, if you consider that a competitor, but July baseball really has the, the the lion's share of of the attention interesting and then who o's or nats gonna do anything this year 
for people in the district uh, in Maryland or Virginia? Well, I, I think the Orioles are going in the right direction. I think there there's a lot to be excited about, even if it's not going to translate to to lots of wins this year. I think they're uh, they're going about it the right way. Unfortunately, in Major League Baseball, with and this is another conversation with the way the CBA is set up to go about it the right way, it really sometimes is an arduous uh, trek for a fan because a fan can understand a rebuild, but no one enjoys a rebuild. No one enjoy, not even the, the rebuilders, not even the, the, you know, the Michael of the world, they don't enjoy it either. I mean, it's, it's not fun to lose, even if you know that uh, it's all pointing towards a, a grander plan. The reality is, one reason why rebuilds are tough is because it's tough to stick with it. Uh, and the Orioles are doing that and it's hopefully going to pay off for a great baseball town. You know, the nationals, obviously, I don't think anyone's feeling bad for the nationals uh, just because of yeah. what's that. I got the sweater. Yeah, yeah there you go. There's, I mean, there's you know, still the champs to me last year didn't count. Still the yeah. champs. So, so, you know, they're not too far removed from that. I mean, I, I think the nationals, uh, I, I think they, you know, they definitely compete for a playoff spot. I, I think they are a, a better than 500 team. And, you know, they're obviously a team that could, uh, you know, make some moves within the year. I just think that's a really tough division. Uh, and I think the Braves and the Mets on paper uh, are, are way stronger. And who knows if it's going to play out that way. But if you're trying to claim a wild card spot as the third best team in your division, that's awfully tough. Uh, it can happen. It's doable but it's awfully tough to do that. Uh, and so I think the, the nationals end up on the outside looking in, but I think, you know, if you're looking for a, a, a playoff race, they're going to be a part of that. And, and even though you always want to end up on the right side of that, I think it's always fun as a fan base to at least, you know, hit August 1st and, and be scoreboard watching, knowing that, Hey, we're in the mix here. This is uh, going to be a, you know, a, a sprint to the finish. So you didn't see the high, you didn't see the, the signings of Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber and thanks. All right. Well, back. Hey, I, I'll tell you what, I, I do like the Josh Bell signing, uh, or the Josh Bell acquisition, I should say. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I mean that they really bought low on a guy who is not too far removed from, you know, uh, being a really, really formidable hitter. So that, that could end up being one of those buy low moves, low risk, uh, high reward type of moves. Interesting. Is there any guys, big names that you expecting to see maybe, uh, move uh, move teams mid-season like any like I know Chris Bryant's been rumored a lot in recent years is there any guys this year that you think all right this is the year they're, they're gonna be moving on somebody's gonna take it take yeah it I mean on. I'll go with two guys who are Nevada guys who are good friends you mentioned one of them Chris Bryant and then the other being Joey Gallo uh, and then depending on whether the Cubs can reach some sort of an agreement with Javi Baez you know if they are not confident in their ability to to retain him when he hits free agency I wouldn't be surprised to see him get traded as well. Interesting. And then who's your, who's your dark horse to make a long run in the postseason this year? Okay. A dark horse. Uh, well, so I'll, I'll give two kind of cop-out answers. I think these teams are really good and they certainly deserve more consideration than dark horse. The problem is, you know, we talked about, uh, them already they are in divisions with the teams that are perceived to be the best in their respective league uh, so the Padres and the Blue Jays uh, are both teams that it would not surprise me if they won the World Series but if you're looking for a team that maybe isn't getting that type of recognition uh, I would go with 
you know what? I'll go with the Philadelphia Phillies um, for no reason other than that's a really good lineup and who the heck knows. The fans haven't turned on. The, I know Philly fans are one in, one in a million. They haven't turned on Bryce Harper yet, so maybe this is the year they turn it all together. Yeah, all yeah. yeah, that's unbelievable. Uh, well, that that's really all the questions I really have for you. Um, how can people find you on social media, keep up with you, catch you on the radio, catch you on broadcast games, and a little bit of everything? Yeah, I mean, at Jared Sandler, I try not to annoy people too much on Twitter. I probably fail at that, but uh, usually anything anything I'm involved in uh, is, is found or, or promoted there. So just to keep it simple at Jared Sandler on Twitter and uh, definitely appreciate uh, the consideration. I was actually got one, one last question for you. If you, if, if Jerry Jones called you up and said, you're GM on the 28th of April, you make the first round pick who you taking? Well, I guess it depends on who's there, right? Uh, do you have options for, I'll tell you this. I'm not drafting a quarterback. I don't believe that, uh, that is a need. If, if, if you're telling me that, you know, the realistic, uh, the realistic options are available. Uh, and so, you know, I can't sit here and say like, who's going to make you like Lawrence. jump out of your seat and go like, all right, they did it. We yeah. Got it. Um, well, if Caleb Farley's around, I, I don't know that he quite falls to them. I, I think, you know, we talked about the secondary, I go yeah. Caleb Farley, uh, I think that Rashawn Slater and Micah Parsons will both be around. I would rather Farley over those two. It's tough to pass on Kyle Pitts just because I think he's so good. But uh, I heard he I, might go. Somebody said he might go too. I heard that today. Yeah, they, I, I, Pitts has got like a wide range. It's. It, I, I think though, if you ask me, one guy I like Farley better than any of the other cornerbacks. I like him better than Sertan. Um, I, I you know I like him better than Samuel. Um, so I would go Caleb Farley, uh, if he, if he was available. Cool. 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 I can't wait to the draft and football coming back, but I do appreciate you taking the time. Um, this was awesome. 